This story is told over by a Jewish boy. He was in Moscow. And the story happened during the Second World War, known as the Holocaust. So this Jewish boy was with his family in, in Russia and Moscow. And the Germans, the Nazis, these horrible, these nasty people came and they were going further and further into Russia and they, and they were coming very close to Moscow and already the, the German airplanes were flying over Moscow and dropping bombs and people were getting very terrified. What's going to happen? Because they knew anywhere the Germans took over, they, they murdered the Yidden. So people wanted to run away and escape. So a lot of Jewish people ran away and escaped but they went to other places in Asia and Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan, different places. But even when they ran away, it wasn't like it was so easy life over there. They heard stories, came back, people who they had hunger and sicknesses and horrible things. So his family, they were getting scared. Should we run away from Moscow? But it's it's also not fun to run away. Or should we stay here? The Germans are coming. They were like shaking. And it came finally until the days between Rosh Hashanah and Kippur in the month of Tishrei and it got worse and worse they said okay we need to escape we need to get out of here so bad so, you know very quickly and already the Russian government ran away from Moscow and they started thinking planning how to leave and every day was getting worse and worse one day they heard the news that one of these big roads that go out of Moscow towards Tashkent was cut off was blocked by the Germans no one could go Another day, they heard that the, the railway where the trains go, go to Almata was also closed. So, if you want to escape the city, all the different ways to get out, one of them have been closed down one after the other, and you have to escape quick before the whole city is surrounded. So, finally, they got one of the last ways was still open was a train running from Moscow to a place called Bashkiria, a place in Siberia. So they were getting ready to go and they were still very worried. I hope by the time they get on the train, the road will still be open. But their father, this boy saying his father, the family, is always telling them, have trust in Hashem, Hashem will take care of us. You know, we're trying to be happy now. So right after Samachas they packed all their stuff, put all their stuff in some suitcases, and they ran to the train, which is going to take them somewhere. Somewhere in Bashkiria. They didn't even know exactly where they're going, but at least they'll get out of Moscow before the Nazis come in, someone who knows what's going to happen. Imagine you have your house, you have your place where you live, take every, everything, whatever you could, stuff in a few suitcases, and just run away. You don't even know where you're going. So they got in this train. This train wasn't really meant for people. It wasn't made with nice seats and beds, a place you know, in a comfortable place. It was a bunch of wagons that was meant for animals and for suitcases. And now it was just packed with people because everyone just wanted to escape. If you ever imagine seeing like a big moving truck or just an empty truck, just imagine a bunch of people just moving in there. You get to sit down maybe on the floor, have a little bit of space, and that's it. No nice comfortable bed, no nothing. Just sit down, lie, maybe lie down flat on the floor if you have a little bit of space. And they were just going, going. They were 21 days in this train for three weeks. And also it was bitter cold going up to Siberia. The only heat they had was a little tiny oven in the middle of this wagon. So a very uncomfortable train, 21 days. And it wasn't, it was very uh, uncomfortable, but at least by them, like, you know, they were the lucky ones, at least. Because they got to escape Moscow and not be there when who knows what the Nazis are going to do. 
And finally, the, the Nazis circled the entire Moscow, and then soon no one was able to escape. So they finally got to this place in the Bashkiria, and they got out, and then they put them on these big trucks and started driving them to some faraway village. This is such a faraway village that people there, the going there, never saw a Jew before in their life. They heard stories. Oh, Jews, you know, whatever their galach or someone told them. And they came out and they saw these people who called themselves in Russian, Yevrei, Jews. And they came, what are these people? Are these humans? Are these aliens? Are these, what are these? And they wanted to, do these, do these people have horns in their heads? It's because the reason why they thought that is there was actually a guy who made a mistake. It says a story in the Torah. When Moshe came down from Harsinai, it says that Moshe's face was shining. The word for shining the Torah uses is koran. It's shining. The word, the way you spell it, it can also be keren, which means a horn. So the guy was reading the Torah. He knew Hebrew. I guess he learned some Hebrew, and he saw, oh, Moshe's face keren. Oh, Moshe's face had horns in it. He made a mistake. So this guy, he was the artist, and he drew a painting of Moshe with horns. <laughs> so now, Goyim, so now Goyim who saw this painting, they said, oh, so it must be that, well, this, this uh, big paint artist, or whatever, somehow he knows, whatever, that, and they thought that Jews have horns. And there are a lot of times in history different Goyim thought, actually thought that. So these Goyim, they were out of the middle of nowhere, they never saw a Jew before, they said, do you have horns in your head? They wanted to check? Are you different? Okay. So now that they were finally got to this faraway place, the Russian government got all these people who escaped to work, and they had to give them jobs to do. And according to the strict rules, is all the time it was light outside, the whole day, you had to work on the grounds, to make the food grow, plow the grounds, and make things, plant things. And anyways, first of all, the rule of government made them do it, and also they had to do it to stay alive, because that's where all the food came from. So they got potatoes, that's what they ate all day, and... Sometimes they even got a little bit of flour sometimes, but the flour they got was so bad, it was not a very good flour, that they couldn't bake bread with it. It was such a bad quality. They would make with it like a knedelah, something they would cook with it in a soup. But even then, it was still so bad that when they would, after they cook it, they would chew on it, it would like stick to their teeth and like in their stomach, or even stomach aches. Like it was very... Basically, they had to eat potatoes all day. That's all the food they had. So that's how they went through the winter and the summer. And finally, it came close. Again, it was almost going to be Rosh Hashanah. And they're thinking, how are we going to dive with a minion? In the place they were, it was not able to make a minion. But they heard that there was a town not so far away where they could travel there. And there would be a minion for the Shaniyam Kippur. So they were planning where they're going to go, how to get ready to travel. But a little bit before Rosh Hashanah, unfortunately, this boy said his father, his tati, got sick and was in bed. And now he's so sick, he couldn't move, he couldn't travel anywhere. So his father was so upset. He was first upset that he got sick, and even more upset that he got sick. He was thinking, Rosh Hashanah is coming, and I can't travel, then I'm not going to hear Shafer. How can I go to Rosh Hashanah without hearing the Shafer on Rosh Hashanah? It's a mitzvah. So where they were, in the middle of this town, it was impossible to get a shafer there. So what could he do? They were stuck. They didn't have nothing you know, lost. They didn't know what to do. So this boy was walking around one day outside where their tiny little place they lived was. And where he was, the place he was, there were bushes, there were 
bunch of grass and holes in the ground. It wasn't such a like well take care and care of place. And all of a sudden he walked and he saw sitting like in a little hole in the ground. He could not believe it. He thought he was dreaming. He saw the head of a ram. It's an animal which we take from it, the horn we make a shofar from. And he couldn't believe what is it doing there. He said it must be a malach from Shemaim, my angels may have put it there. And he said, but now what do I do with it? How do I got how to make a shofar from it? What do I do? So he said, okay, I need to quickly find a place where to hide it. You know, I talk, I'll talk to my brother-in-law soon when he comes back from his work, and I'm sure he'll figure out, he's a smart guy, how to, what to do with it, how to make a shafer. So he left it there, he went, waited for his brother-in-law to come home, and he said, guess what, you won't believe what I found. I saw sitting in the yard over there in a hole somewhere, ahead of a ram, and there's a horn, but he's a shafer. He's all excited, and his brother said, really? Let me see. He comes, walks over to that hole, and it wasn't there. It's gone. So the boy was so upset. He said, oh, it disappeared. Why didn't I take it right away? That's first of all. And second of all, his brother-in-law is looking at him. He thinks, his brother-in-law probably thinks I'm imagining. I made up a story. Because how could you imagine having a, the head of a ram here in the middle of the, middle of the field? In the middle of this hole here. He must be, he dreamed about it. He was imagining things. And, okay, he didn't say anything. And uh, fine, his brother-in-law went back. Nothing there. He told me a story. So a few days, his boys walk around like all upset. Until one day, he was also walking in the yard and what does he see? Again, that same head of the ram with the horns. So this time, he didn't, he didn't take any chances. He didn't leave and wait to come back. He grabbed it. He took off his shirt and wrapped it around this head of the ram so no one should see what it is. No one should make any questions. And he ran to his brother-in-law. And he showed it to him. Look, see what I got? His brother-in-law didn't say a word. just took it with him and went to the field where he had to work. In the field, he had different tools like to cut wheat like these big knives or, or big different types of knife, uh, metal things and now his brother-in-law took his big knife and he started to cut off the horn so he could make a shafer so he didn't even hide didn't even keep a secret from other people the guy working there he just said I'm making a flute a musical instrument he couldn't tell them shafer he couldn't tell me he's doing a mitzvah or something you know for, for being Jewish because someone might get him in trouble so I'm making a flute so the people are, oh, very interesting. Wow, what are you making? Ooh, so so cute, so nice. Okay, fine. So he did it. He finally cut it off. And he pulled out this, the inside part. And he made the hole in it. And he had a beautiful shafer. Came the first day of Rosh Hashanah. And they made a little group to get daven together in this boy's house. Around where his father was. Because his father was very sick and couldn't move too much. So they made it in his house. And he put all his strength just to sit up, get out of his bed. And with a lot, a lot of strength, he said the brachas, and he actually blew the shafer. So when they blew the shafer, everybody there in the room was crying. Most people were crying because they were thinking about their problem, that their, their troubles they had. A lot of people, their relatives, their siblings, their parents, their children, people died. And all people were crying also, you know, thinking, what, what happened here? We're middle of nowhere, somewhere middle of Siberia. And somehow we got to do a mitzvah. They were so excited. And people were also crying, like doing tshuva, how they want to come close to Hashem. Everyone had plenty of reasons to cry, but everybody in the room was crying. Their faces were wet with tears. And this boy said, I was also crying. I don't know why, but I heard the shape. I was crying, crying away. So after the war was over, when finally the Nazis and Machshamon would have defeated, so they went back to Moscow. And they brought with him back this Schaefer, 
and they guarded it, something so special that you couldn't imagine, the most precious thing they had. One night, the Russian secret police came, burst into our house, took away their father, sent him away to jail, they took away his all his, his svarim, his holy books, and that shafer, and they took him away. And we never saw him again. One time, one day, the police said, come get your father's stuff. That couldn't mean that they killed him. Meaning, okay, take his stuff, he's gone. The Russian police, they didn't like Jews doing mitzvahs. So for any reason, they would throw someone in jail. They were not nice either. We survived many, many hard things. And the Jewish people had a lot of mysterious nefesh. They worked so self-sacrifice, worked so hard to, to be strong in what we believe in and to keep Hashem's mitzvahs. And even through the hardest times, we stayed strong and we won. Nowadays, you might think sometimes it's a little hard to do a mitzvah. Maybe to go to shul, okay, I have to behave and not run around if I want to hear the Torah, if I want to hear the shofar. But it's nothing compared to what they had to do. So they they went to the, the jail and they took all their father's stuff, the books, and they asked, where's the shofar? And the police said, shofar? He never brought a shofar with him. This is what he brought, these books. The shofar disappeared. And just as it didn't exist. So now this boy says, he's already older, says, every year Hashanah, when I hear the shofar, it reminds me of that shofar I heard there in that little town in Siberia. That shofar that we got, looks like it came out of Shemaim, came out of heaven somewhere, just like a miracle. And maybe the, the Malachim took it back up to Shemaim. 